We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tremendous performance. You tie your career high with seven threes, 21 points, all coming from downtown. You did the same thing last night with four threes and 12 points. Have you ever had such a hot stretch over two games in your career? Uh, I mean, I, I don't really think about it like that. Um, I'm just letting the game come to me. Um, let the guys make the play. When I'm open, let it fly. That's all. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy, Dante. You're not forcing anything. You seem to be going to the open spots and capitalizing on those uncontested shots. Yeah, I mean, when you force, I, I think the two I missed them, and honestly, I, I think I forced them. So um, when I let them come to me, um, they went in, and, and I just got to keep doing that. And we've talked about the... Yeah. All right, go. You, get, you can take this one. Robert Cross coming back. Who from KFS is heading to Vegas to celebrate our mini chip? Let's I'm go. looking into some sweet <laughs> options at the Venetian. I like I like the faux gondola. Hashtag 53 wins. Let's is go. Robert Cross funding the trip? Is that did, did that just happen? <laughs> then we're all going. If that's Let's the case. Listen, oh, I'll, I'll share a room too. I don't I don't need my own room. I'll share a room. Yeah, you know, I, I don't need anything fancy. Absolutely. Um, I'm down for that. Yeah. Where are I, you with the, um, with the, uh, in season tournament as we like kind of, yeah, he mentioned it. So is yeah. there like, are you looking forward to the, the Milwaukee game coming up here? Absolutely. Yeah. I love the in season yeah. tournament. Like I, I was a pre fan, like I thought it was going to be good before I seen it, but you never know. And mm-hmm. I think it has been good so far. I think it's only going to get better with these games that are like, you know, they are going to be intense. I believe. I don't know if it'll be like yeah. playoff atmosphere, but I think it'll be close and to have those kinds of games in early December. It feels just like brilliant on the part of the NBA to do it. And it seems like they've gotten the players to buy in because all the, every time you talk to a player about it, they're like, Oh yeah, the in season turn. I like, it, it seems a little contrived, but they also are playing yeah. like they care about it. So I I'm excited about it. And I would be ecstatic if the Knicks won the first one, I don't care who wants to, you know, make fun of us and, and send the Pat Beverly meme. Like, I don't care. I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be hype about winning that tournament. If that's the case. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fully in, I mean, it's like, yes, it's a hundred percent contrived. It's a TV marketing thing made for TV, but I mean, you, you said it, if the players are going to buy in, I mean, the crowds have been phenomenal. That Kings warriors game the other night was just, I mean, that was a playoff atmosphere. It's probably like a lot of like carryover from last year's playoffs. So there's like that game would have been intense regardless of the in season tournament, but that's just an added layer. And, you know, I don't care that we're going to play the bucks a fifth time. Like, I feel like, you know, I'm just like, let's just, 
let's go. I mean, if we can win this game and then get, uh, go to Vegas, I mean, that is, that is just going to be like an amazingly like fun. Um, and just like to put these guys in an atmosphere in a position, uh, the next that is to like have to perform in a game that's going to be on national TV and a game that's going to be upped in terms of the intensity. Like that's only probably maybe going to have some benefit, like maybe not. I don't know. Like there's, you can probably go both ways in terms of like this team looking to like the playoffs down the road. But regardless of the fact that it, even if it doesn't, it's just fun. I mean, I think people should just fans should have fun with it and try to just buy in. Even if you have to like force yourself, it's going to make your enjoyment of the big game of basketball even better. So just like, the Knicks are in it. The Knicks have a chance to move on to Vegas. It's fun. And that's kind of like the tact I'm taking. I feel like that's like good advice for anyone. I mean, how can we complain about something that even approximates a playoff like environment right. in, in the middle of the, or early in the season? Like I, yes. I have no complaints Absolutely. about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. What do we got next? Uh, be more Corey, uh, Josh effing Hart. Raptors missed a ton of bunnies, many, many of which were caused by Mitch. Mm-hmm. I want to know the stocks leaders this year, by the way, be more equals Baltimore, Baltimore, Corey, appreciate the, the, the donation and the shout out to Mitchell Robinson, somebody we haven't talked about yet. You want to, you want to talk a yeah. little bit about that? So I think he may have ended with four steals, maybe five. Um, so I have to uh, check that, but it, it felt like in the second half, especially his hands roll over the ball. And, you know, I felt like you're right. The Raptors missed, uh, I think be more Corey makes a good point about the, the missed uh, layups. That's probably another product of like not being able to go through the Knicks uh, interior defenders, even a Josh Hart, like um, uh, I don't know how many Chris Boucher ended up missing um, in terms of, uh, you know, shots in the paint, but you know, hit, you look at his build and you look at, look at Josh Hart. I mean, Hart was easily able to sort of like go under him and just disrupt his uh, shot uh, rhythm a, a little bit. So I feel like that was definitely uh, played a part in it. And I felt like once, in the second half, Mitch came back in the game and it just, I've, you know, I, I like Ihar. I feel like he's, I feel like he's a really good player, phenomenal backup center, just as good as it's, he's You're going to get in the NBA. I didn't love his game tonight. And I felt like the Knicks needed Mitch to take the reins on the interior. And he just, he did that. And he continues to play passing lanes and deflect balls, generate seals. So the blocks like aren't amazing, but like the fact that he can, he's now, figured out a way to get his hands on on balls and just create uh, turnovers in that way or just disrupt the flow of the offense just by getting a, t- a fingertip on the ball. He's been like as good as you're going to get. I know like the rim protection numbers in terms of the efficiency against the Knicks is like higher than you would think. But I, I think a lot of that is is just a, it's more like a deterrence thing than anything. And I feel like, you know, I feel like Mitch in general is just playing a not quite a defensive player of the year level, but like on the cusp of all defense at that, at that sort of like maybe six or seven, uh, you know, if you're going to make a top 10 all defense team, he's, he's kind of right in that category right now, not quite in the go bear at a bio range, but probably in the tier right below them. He's been just as good as you can expect from a guy, um, you know, that you paid a reasonable contract to um, and expect probably like something less than that when you sign him to that uh, contract. And now he's pushing like top 10 center in the NBA. So that's uh, the outcome for the for the Knicks front office. And uh, for Mitch has been as good as you can probably expect. 
Mitch has blown away the value return on the contract that he signed at this point, especially it being a descending deal. Um, I, yeah, Mitch has been unbelievable, incredible on the defensive end and on the offensive rebounding end, which we all know that's what he does best. So great shout out Baltimore, uh, Corey, appreciate it. Yeah. It looks like we have a lot of, uh, super chats to go. So we should, uh, we're going to move quick through these. Um, so we got Haitian Ferg. Uh, thank you so much for the donation. <laughs> I got two words, breast milk, mic drop. That's a, uh, none other than, and then, uh, Josh Hart. That's a reference, uh, to our boy who had, you know, the best game of his, uh, uh season. And, after it's it's almost like he needed that not complaint not not but it was almost like an airing out of where he was emotionally to the media and in the last two games since then he's been really good so i mean it's almost like too cute a uh, a transition from like when he spoke to the last two games to make a direct um uh you know causation here right it's a like more causation not correlation there is a correlation, but not a causation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Technically, right. Is that the kind of that's how you cr- that's, break it down? That's totally right. Yeah. I, okay. I, mean, I, I do. I do think. I do think, and I think there is a correlation to some extent. We we okay. definitely can't assert causation, but I do think like I like when players speak out at times in the way that Hart did it, especially at the end, saying like, "Yo, I'm not a disgruntled player." Just right. just so you know, like I I think that it is sort of freeing, right? And I don't have data and hard evidence to support this. But besides like my experience in my personal life, sometimes when you get something off your chest, it's like something's bothering you. Mm-hmm. You're just like freer. You just have the weight off and you can just play how you want to play and be how you want to be. And it's like, man, I've been holding this in. Let me just let this out and then let me ball. And that's what he yeah. did. And that's what he's been doing. So I don't have a problem with it. And you no. know what? And he can drink all the breast milk that he wants too, by the way, because it's, it's, it's working now. So that's we're true. getting last year, Josh Hart, which I love. <laughs> uh what's the what's the next one uh rob the loosema sup fellas hope the turkey was plentiful appreciate it hope you hope i hope it was for you too um so are we gonna go back to have to have a serious discussion about rj or nah much love ah the rj uh i was wondering when this was if and when this was gonna come up yeah <laughs> Listen, we um, have to talk about it, right? We got to talk about it. I'll say a couple things and then, and then let, let you give your analysis. I mean, I mean, to me, to me, we are going to need RJ Barrett shooting. Um, I, I've been, you know, I, 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 I'm not a big believer and actually I'm really curious of where you land on this. Hopefully we have time to talk about it. I'm not a big believer in seeing these like jumps in shooting. Like a guy shoots 30%, the next year he shoots 40%. And then I, I generally just err towards the size of the, the side of that's unsustainable. It may be variance. It may be a blip. Um, but it's it, it always feels unlikely to me that it sustains across the, the, the length of a season. And I just think they need his shooting. Uh, I felt like both Brunson and Randall were collapsing the defense repeatedly and RJ got open threes and repeatedly missed them. And I think it's okay for him to shoot like 35%. I would sign up for that. If you were like RJ Barrett's going to shoot 35 or 36% across the season, I would, I would sign for that because everything that else that he's doing on the defensive end, although, you know, tonight might not have been his best game, but overall over the course of the season, his defense has been really, really good. Um, Mm. and the other things that he does on offense. And I think that when he's shooting, when his shot goes well, it seems like his decision-making has improved as well. It's like very strange, but there also seems to be some correlation with that for me too, because I, I guess when he drives into the paint and he kind of 
uses passing out like a last minute bailout option is when I feel like he's at his weakest. And I think that he hadn't been doing that all season. And then today I just kind of noticed it a little bit more, a little bit more forcing. Maybe there's a little bit pressing, like the shot's not going down. So I have to impact it by getting to the rim and finishing. And he still can finish really well and get to the rim pretty much at will. But yeah, I just, I just see a lot of those parts, all of those aspects of his game seem to kind of come and go together. So that's, that, that's an observation I've had. Yeah, I think it's a really good way of of putting it. You're probably right in terms of um, you know, sort of where he was shooting like upper upper 40s from 3 uh from where he was I think 31% last year. Uh, yeah, obviously you're you're probably going to be really hard pressed that he's going to shoot at that level um this year. I I too would sign up for a 36%, 35% on good volume as well. Um in terms of tonight, came out really strong came out aggressive, uh, had a night, a couple nice, uh, finishes. Um, I, I felt like he, his, his, he sort of like, it was, he tends to like do well against Toronto overall, even though they, I don't think they're a good matchup for him in terms of like, they're longer, they have, you know, decent, uh, guy, you know, they have you know, the best rim protectors, but they have length that can co- come over and bother him. And he's not a guy that's obviously blown by anyone. So that you, he always has a guy like attached to him in a way where they can get a contest. And if you have a seven foot wingspan, that contest is like it's gonna impact him more than a guy that's got like a six eight, six nine wingspan. So it matters that he's going up against a team that's like really long. And I felt like it 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 bothered him a little bit. Uh to me, it's like you mentioned the passing, and that's the thing since he's he came back from the migraine that just really regressed again. And I I don't I don't know if it's like I have to look at the distribution of offense because it doesn't feel like he's on the ball running as many um, pick and rolls or just like lead. You know, he's, it doesn't seem like he's running as many actions that's going, that's going to utilize his passing. So I, I want to hedge a little bit to, to say that it's been like a disappointment or I'm concerned about it. I feel like it might be like such a small sample to where if he's not getting the, the same amount of looks, is he then going to force things? Because I feel like the shooting, you know, it's going to come and go. Uh, you mentioned the finishing. It's like, I felt like in the playoffs last year and then early this year, he wasn't attempting the really low percentage attempts at the rim. Uh, and I felt like that was a big step forward for him. And he's just doing that now. And it's been a few games. So we're like really small sample. So it could be like just getting back in a rhythm. I don't know, but I am a little bit concerned to the point where I'm going to watch for it, but it just feels like he's taking a lot more low percentage shots um, at the rim. Uh, there was that one moment. I know this is like, it's just, it ha- it's one of those plays that happens, but he missed the dunk on one end and it, it turned into a Scotty Barnes layup on the other. And he just fell out of sorts after that initial like burst in the first quarter. But I mean, the efficiency numbers are all coming down except like the free throws are, you know, still keeping in like the eighties and that's, that's really good. And it's probably going to keep his overall numbers afloat if he can turn it around. But I am like a little bit concerned about like, all right, did we just see a player that had like, you know, five or six really strong games, which he has had before in his career, uh, maybe more in the middle end of the season, but that has certainly happened happened in the playoffs last year. So is it, was it that, or did he actually make a, make a leap? I was, hedging more like this is a a real leap for him in terms of processing in terms of maybe an upgrade in the shooting because I thought the playoffs uh, maybe showed him something and was able to carry that over. But 
you know, we'll, we'll see. We, we're now, we're getting to the point where he's going to have as many inefficient games as he's had efficient ones this year because, you know, we've only played, you know, we played less than uh, 20 games. So, I mean, we're, we're, we have to see where this goes. Uh, I, I hope for, you know, his sake, he could sort of like figure out his way to like, you know, turn it around and get, and get his efficiency back up. But yeah, it's something to watch for, for sure. Um, anything to add on that? Or you, you think you're, are, are you concerned about it? Or you just think it's going to, we're still too small sample to be too worried. Um, no, I'm not. I mean, I, I, I'm a little concerned about it just because I just, like I said, I kind of err towards guys regressing to the mean of, of, of what they are and have been RJ. I think I've been a little bit more excited given, like you mentioned his play in the playoffs and then continuity between the playoffs, uh, the FIBA world championships. And then mm. the beginning of the season, it seems like a, that seems like a really decent, stretch of games where he's playing really well, shooting the ball. Well, his free throw shooting is still encouraging to me because that still looks good. So I, I, I just want to kind of wait, give him another 10 or 15 games even, and just see how those go. So not yeah. super concerned yet, but yeah, I definitely have my eyes open. Definitely. What do we got? What do we got? All right, Jesse M., thank you so much for the donation. I am old enough uh, to remember the lukewarm reaction from fans when Brunson signed. If only we knew. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was certainly that segment of uh, uh, fans that thought that. Uh, actually, remind me of where you were uh, in terms of like you how you viewed that uh, signing initially uh, when they when the Knicks uh, you know, got him to sign on the contract. Yeah. Day one. Very good deal. I I mean, yeah. I didn't say day one. This is one of the value contracts across the entire league, <laughs> mm. but I was day one. Like this is a very good deal. Um, the data all supports him continuing to improve and everything he's done so far. He had already had a really good body of work. So I, w- mm. I was absolutely for it. I thought that was a, a very good deal for the Knicks. Again, I didn't say it was, you know, I mm. didn't know he was going to turn into Steph Curry across 20 games, uh, shooting threes for, you know, pull up threes at, at a 45% clip. Um, um, mm. and, and, and be such a dominant one-on-one score by any means. But, you know, I thought it was a really good deal. Best, best, one of the best contracts in the NBA now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it continues to, um, trend upwards somehow, some way. I mean, it's just, it, it's amazing. Even like the passing this year, I feel like has gotten a little better. Um, especially after the first like handful of games, which I didn't think was great last 10 or so. I, f- I feel like his passing is just trending up as well. Just the entire package, um, still in his, uh, you know, 26, 27 years old, there's probably still, you know, if he might have another level, I mean, I'm not doubting him anymore. That is, that is for sure. I mean, I'm not betting against Jalen Brunson. No, anything (laughs) leads the league in charges. I mean, going to set the next record, uh, likely on pace to do that. I mean, just a uh, amazing, uh, start to the year for him. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate it again, Jesse M for the, for the comment. Thanks a lot. Robert W. Cross. He is back. This is for you, DJ. Let me ask you then, DJ. All right. Would you move Grimes to the second unit at this point? Here here we go. Here we go. Uh, why mm. or why not hashtag 53 wins? This is for um, you, DJ. I can just sit back and just Robert Cross, watch he's, you he's squirm. Puts you, he puts you on the spot. He doesn't let you... Uh, <laughs> you know, he doesn't let up. Uh, I appreciate the the question, Robert. Seriously. Um, I am not going to take him out of the starting lineup. I feel like this lineup works partly because of um, his defense, his, uh, I think his spacing is still 
you know, it's like, it's a hard thing to sort of quantify, but teams do respect him. still in terms of like, they, they are, they are not gonna, if he's on the strong side and you have uh, Brunson or Randall, they are not going to help off him. It is just not going to uh, be a thing if he's on the strong side corner, that is. So his impact offensively, obviously needs to get better on the individual basis. We mentioned the, you know, he had a pulse there in the third quarter for a stretch, a uh, few possessions. Hopefully that is something he can build on, even though it was a, a little, just a small uh, a glimpse as you, uh, you put it actually. But to me, I like quickly on the second unit. Personally, I, I think Grimes at the point of attack against most teams, that defense is really needed. I don't know if it was like, I don't, it's funny, like I guess a really big wing, he can struggle. So I don't think tonight was like the best time to showcase what he can do defensively, but against a team like Cleveland or Atlanta, um, against a lot of teams that have like your, you know, six, five and under high level scoring guard, you're going to want Grimes on that matchup because you're not going to want to put Brunson and quickly. He's such a great off ball defender that I think you want him playing that role so he can roam, communicate and do the great things he could do as a rotator on the defensive end. I think it utilizes everyone's defensive strength. So I'm not ready to move uh, him off the, the starting lineup yet, but Listen, he's got to play better. That is, I as a, a grime stand, I am fully willing to admit he has not been good this year offensively and um, just needs to get better. That is just, uh, is what it is. I'm still not, I'm not going to write him off. I think he's a young player. Uh, young players have moments like this. Line, uh, you know, development is not always linear. Maybe he's, this is going to be a moment for him to, to figure it out. He can build off this game. But where are you on the... Uh, Starting lineup, Grimes, bench him or not bench him to where he's not going to play, but would you consider moving him at this point to the the second unit? Uh, how do you feel about that? Nah, I'm not moving him. I, I, I'm really where you are. Uh, it, it's it's too early. It's 17 games in. Grimes has now played, I think, like 130 games in his career. He's a young player, as you mentioned, and regression works both ways, in my opinion. So not only do I think players who are kind of playing above like who they are, their, their, their true value are going to kind of come down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also think guys who are playing below what their true value is are going to uh, ascend as well. And I think Grimes is one of those players. I will want him to just play through it. If I was a coach on the team, I would just be continually injecting him with confidence. I'd be like, listen, this is the, this is our starting five. You're not going anywhere. Uh, Dante is doing amazing in his role and we want him to keep doing that. And we want you to thrive in yours as well. So to yep. me, that's where I I'm at. I'm giving it at least like, honestly, through the, through the middle of the season, if not more, if he's playing like this, you know, 40, 45 games in, then I'm like, okay, we got to start getting ready for the playoffs. Maybe we need yeah. to make a switch. But right now I, I'm giving him a long leash and just let him work through some of these struggles in his third season. Yep. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate it, Robert, as always. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. Going into this season, I decided it was time to make a change. My digestion didn't feel its best. I felt sluggish, stressed, didn't feel as focused, and knew I needed to do something different. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, and I hated taking pills or vitamins. Well, when I started drinking AG1 daily, not only could I see a difference in my daily health, but I finally had energy and noticed how much more relaxed and focused I was. That's because AG1 is a foundational 
Vital Nutrition Supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate, AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash filmschool. That's drink, that's drinkag1.com slash filmschool. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's on you, DJ. All right. I'm Cappuccini. Don Cappuccini. Cappuccini. Thank you so much again for the donation. I appreciate that. It was nice to see Jekyll back. I hope he stays around <laughs> for the in-season tournament, IST. Real talk, though. What's up with the the, the trend uh, losing defensive glass battles? It's starting uh, to get infuri- infuriating. Um, yeah, what are you seeing on the on the defensive glass? Because that is something that's sort of like creeping up a little bit as like it was an edge the Knicks had. Now it's uh, not so much every night. It's such a good call because I've noticed yeah. the trend as well. And it was one thing I wrote down as well. Like it, I wrote it down at halftime and basically I was planning if we had to come here in the worst case scenario, I was going to mm-hmm. say, um, the Knicks cannot come into this game and get off out offensive rebounded and all defensive rebounded and win yeah. this game. I would have yeah. thought there's no way that they could happen. And they, they caught up on the defensive boards. They got out offensive rebounded a couple possessions. It was like, you know, two or three offensive rebounds at once, kind of like the cheap stacking up uh, rebounds mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I, I, I have noticed that as well. I don't really have a great read on what's happening. I do want to say for me, Mitch was really, I thought Mitch was really good in, uh, he was just like on a really good with his hands and really good with his deterrence, but I didn't feel like his elevation was there. And he seemed like he was laboring to me. Like, I think he a couple times I agree. Yeah. and he was yeah. like a little, yeah, he just seemed like not totally there. Um, I think I want to see the minutes spread. Cause I it just felt like, okay, he did play 32 minutes. So that was more than I thought. But in the first half, it felt like Hardenstein was out there for a long time. And I just felt like Mitch was really not, 
all there. And and maybe that has something to do with it, but he's been such an incredible monster with a 20% both offensive and defensive rebounding percentage, which is absurd. It's just unthinkable. So I don't know if he's getting kind of worn out a little bit and I don't know if it's all on him. So I really, I would defer to you on this question. I've just seen the trends as well. Yeah. I wonder, you know, it's what game there was um, a game a couple of nights ago. It was the Miami game. I think where the Knicks were really getting beat up on the boards. And then I think it was like the third quarter, the Knicks started to change the the trajectory of where that game was going on the defensive last. And it was like, it was more Brunson crashing and helping out in that area. Um, uh, you know, helping out defense on the defensive uh, rebounding um, because, you know, if Mitch is so good as like a, he's, I don't know if he leads the league in box outs, but he's always like amongst the league leaders in in, in boxing out on the defensive. Um, and so that that is going to not necessarily lend itself all the time for him to generate that defensive rebound on himself. So it requires like Julius or RJ or Brunson or even Grimes uh, to to come in there and and help out. So d- don't have like a specific thing that I'm I'm seeing. Um, I will say I will look for it. Um, I will, when I do the rewatch, I'll I'll see if like there was something that stood out. Um, just as like behind the the scene stuff, it's really hard sometimes when you're like watching the game to see like certain trends. Or it does require like one, a second viewing, sometimes a third viewing to to like know. All right, am I did I see the thing correctly, or is that like game so fast? You're almost like emotionally 100%. invested in it. It's like hard to to sort of like see what what on on film caused that. But I'm gonna look at it because it was uh, certainly. Uh, it's been something the last several games that has been like it's, it's gone from a strength to like something that teams are now, you know, they're able to to hang with the Knicks a little bit, and the Knicks need to win those battles uh, to to really level to the point where they're you know upwards of like forty eight fifty wins. They're going to have to be a dominant defensive rebounding team. It's just part of their identity, and it's going to be something they're going to have to get back uh, to where they were earlier in the year. Yeah. And, and, and I, I mean, I agree with all that. I also agree with the point of it's really difficult to catch some of this stuff, like live watching a game. And that's why I'm not, you know, I, 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 how I talk about myself is like, I'm not the biggest proponent of the eye test, but I love film study. And I think you do have to kind of go back in and and look really closely and see what's going on, especially down in the trenches so far away from the ball a lot of the time. So, um, I, I'm, I would be really curious to see what you kind of pick up when you go back and look at it. But I do want to say DJ to your, um, I know you've been doing a field goal attempt while Watch uh, for for the Knicks versus their opponents. The Knicks shot ten fewer field goal attempts mm. than the Raptors tonight and won the game by thirteen. Did, yes. Didn't did, didn't think no. I'd see that. <laughs> well, I don't know what the Raptors end up shooting from three. Um, five Terrible. for twenty nine from <laughs> yeah. three. So that 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 takes care of that, that yeah. difference, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's that's kind of like where the game was uh, lost for the Raptors. I mean, that is a horrible percentage to put it lightly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Can have said it better. Yep. Yep. Appreciate it, Dom. Uh, Zach Halovich. Halliv- I can't, I, I, I'm struggling with it, but Halovich. Um, is that yeah, right? I think, I think you got it there. Yeah. Halilovich, I think there we go. I, I missed there the eye go. in there. All right. Has Randall ever passed out of doubles better than tonight? What an observation. Um, also, I know it's really tough, but I'm staying patient with QG. Zach, I two for two on agreement here. Uh, I I don't know if Randall has had such an amazing 
uh, ability to pass out of double teams, anticipate double teams. And we, and DJ and I have talked about it ad nauseum in this post game at this mm-hmm. point, it's, it was just an incredible in control dominant performance by Randall, especially with his passing game and his anticipation. Um, and, and Zach, you know, it sounds like both DJ and I are staying patient with, uh, with QG. Yeah. Um, you know, the, maybe the, the, the first game at Atlanta in the second half where the Knicks made all those threes, it was mostly in that third quarter of that game, Randall just spraying the ball out, but that was more, it felt like the Hawks just being so almost like too aggressive and very obvious with their doubles. And it was, it didn't feel like Randall was making those passing lanes. It was almost like the Hawks were giving them to him. So I feel, I feel like I do agree that this is his best, um, uh, in terms of performance passing out of double teams because he was creating those passing lanes in a, in a way that was much more assertive versus that Atlanta game. And then, yeah, I mean, I appreciate the patience with, uh, with Grimes. I feel like we all as like observers, hyper observers of this team uh, as on sports observers in general, it's easy to, to sort of lose sight on the big picture. And I feel like Grimes is a major piece for this team going forward. And we just need to like let him work its way out. And the, the thing that I know Tibbs is big on lineup data. Um, the starting lineup with uh, Grimes in there is still a positive unit. And that to me is going to buy the patients more than anything. If this unit continues to play well as a collective, he's going to stay uh, with him um, at least for the foreseeable future. So I agree with you. It's going to be more in that like, 40, 45 uh, game area before they even think about making a change because the lineup is just performing well. So he's part of that. Bingo. I think you hit it. It's the the lineup still performing well. And the second unit is the second unit. So I think while we're seeing that until this lineup starts to kind of get pushed around, which I don't think we'll see that happen. um, I I think we'll stick with it for again, like, like we both have said at this point, probably through more than halfway through the season. So um, Mm -hmm. patience, patience is a virtue here, I think as well. Appreciate that. Thanks a lot. What do we got Mm -hmm. on the slate next? That's you. All right. And Danishevsky, thank you so much for the donation. Appreciate uh, you as always. Uh, Josh Hart makes such a difference against this reps squad. His ability to rebound from his position and make big plays is something we lacked First Toronto last year. That's a it's a really good, really good observation by uh, Kevin because you know it's like we we kind of talked about Hart doesn't bring you the length and the size uh, vertically, but his ability to get rebounds and just attack them from like an A to B scenario where he can go from like the dotted line and then generate a defensive rebound by just being more aggressive than anyone else and having the nose for the ball as cliche as that sounds. And then he's just, he's really good at making something out of that. Like he he'll do the thing where like he'll generate the defensive rebound and then he's immediately pushing the ball. Even if there's like not a clear advantage, it's like the worst case scenario is that the Knicks now have the ball in their own half, in their own um, uh, half court with like 20 on the shot clock. And you can sort of be a little more deliberate and not feel like you have a short clock, like around the corner. So his ability to, to make plays is like, it's the hit aheads. It's like the, it's the hockey pass. It's the ability to cut. It's the ability to, to move without the ball and be a really good defensive player. Not like an elite on the ball guy, but he's just good at all the little things that you want. You want as a defensive player and the defensive rebounding is a big part of that. And even though the offense, so it's like the offensive rebounding hasn't been where it was last year, but as a defensive rebounder and playing a lot of four, 
for him to be at where he is now, like he's, he's doing everything you can ask for, at least in, in those, uh, in that category. Yep. I agree with all that. And to me, I, I, I really love Josh Hart. I mean, I know Kevin, I, I know your, your, your comment was about his, at his position, rebounding at his position, but I really love the Josh Hart minutes at the four. Like I love mm. seeing him battle with guys who are bigger and, and, and fight them and get rebounds, uh, you know, over them because a lot of these guys, they're really lanky and that's what the NBA is now. Like fours are often tall, lanky, long, but not like the biggest imposing physical presences. And, and Josh Hart is still able to bang with those guys. And, and oftentimes is ever able to, uh, put himself in better position to get rebounds and, and knows where the ball is going. I think the nose nose for the ball thing, like you mentioned it kind of off the cuff, but I think it's a legit thing and it would be difficult to prove like quantitatively or something like that. But some guys just seem like they're always where the ball is. And I, I don't think that's, I mean, again, we're talking correlation versus causation here, but it just mm-hmm. seems to, it, it, it seems at least just intuitively like that's, that can't be a mistake. And Josh Hart is the epitome of one of those guys. Yeah. So. And I just, yeah. last thing on that, I think yeah. he has, I, it seems like he has like incredibly strong hands and always rebounds with two hands. It's like, it's one of those things that uh, it's, it's just like a pet peeve of mine. Why guys don't do Mitch has been phenomenal at, at it this year. Um, and Mitch has, I, I presume really strong hands as well, but it's like, it's that those, like we talked about like strength and applying it and how it works. I mean, that is like hand strength matters. And he is like, he has to have like upper tier hand strength because when he gets two hands on the ball on the defensive rebound, like that ball is not coming out. That's like, it's, it's his and it's an extra going the other way. And a lot of times he can generate good offense out of that. Yep. Totally agree. Well said. Appreciate it, Kev. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, Stevens Guillaume, uh, Nova Knicks in full effect tonight. We've, we've talked to Nova Knicks a lot, but you know, I, I love the comment because this is, this is the night to break it out. The Nova Knicks balled out tonight. They, Anything they more? No, I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been fun watching them. It's, uh, uh, the Knicks lacked over the past, like it's been a while, like probably a decade plus of just having a, a roster full of like just smart, heady basketball players. They have them now. They have a roster full of them, and it just—it's nice to know uh, to to watch like guys make good decisions and move without the ball and play in, a, in an aggressive, like hard manner, but but controlled. Um, super fun, and they were just like oh, they were all really good tonight, and they've been good for uh, most of the year, um, and and seem to be like heading in uh, an even better direction. So. Big fan of the Nova Knicks. Uh, they get mocked, uh, but they are good basketball players and i um, glad to have them on our uh, roster for sure. Absolutely. They're all so yes. good. Appreciate good. it, Steven. Yes. All right. Um, you want to help me with that first name? Guy Huber then. Guy Huber then. Thank you. Actually, I appreciate that. Um, for sure. Great W. Dante going to start soon, I think. uh, We'll uh, definitely talk about that, but we can maybe get into that a little more. I'm fair and Randall was great tonight. Quick decisions and passing. RJ concerning and and OG is legit just a guy. A jag. (laughs) (laughs) Just a guy is a jag, you know? Yes. (laughs) There you go. I mean, that's... Did you see him? I mean, as a guy that's been rumored to be, you know, a guy the Knicks should covet, kind of felt like he was... (laughs) a Jack tonight. I mean, it wasn't, he didn't definitely didn't show himself to be like a, you know, a guy you want to necessarily like invest a boatload of money in or trade a boatload of like assets for, um, seemed kind of like, uh, athletically, like not like as 
I, and this is a, like I've seen like three Raptors games. This is probably the worst he's looked athletically, like movement wise, agility wise. Um, but yeah, if you if he's not catching the ball and just rising up or finishing a transition, if he's in the half court and he's got to do anything with the ball in his hands, it is not a pretty sight. And I feel like there was a, a few times where the Knicks just really did a good job of getting into his dribble and forcing him to put it on the floor, make a tough mid range shot. And that's just not where he hasn't developed that part of his game. So who knows if that's something that will come as he heads into his uh, mid to late twenties, but not something that he can sort of lean into if the, the catch and shoot opportunities are taken away. Yeah, you hit it. And that was my observation as well. I, he just seemed like a guy that if you run him off the line, he's done. Like what else is he going to do? And I don't, I don't think that's the kind of player that he is overall. I mean, he is shooting like 43% from mid range this year, which is not amazing, but it's not horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, he, he just seemed like he couldn't do very much. I was not worried about him at the rim. I was not worried about, and defensively, defensively was the biggest thing for me. And we talked about Randall using his strength and leveraging his strength and taking advantage of some of these guys who, who aren't as strong, but maybe lankier, longer defenders. And OG was just like target practice for Randall. I felt like, I felt like he was just like, he would see him and his eyes would light up. And despite, you know, obviously OG is a tremendous defender. I'm not saying that he's not, but I just feel like your wing stopper can't really be like that on any given night when he's matched up on a guy like Julius Randle, who is obviously an all NBA talent at some times, but I just feel like he can't be the guy that you just say, we're going to take advantage of him tonight. Like to me, that, that, that really is just not a thing that can happen. If he's this, you know, elite and, and, and everyone knows I love impact metrics, um, impact metrics think that OG Ananobi is a defensive God, like an unbelievable impactful defensive player. And I, and I think that he is, but I just don't see how, this can be your main strength that you bring to the plate and a guy like Julius Randle is like oh that's lunch for me tonight like that doesn't match up to me yeah man maybe you know this could be just a credit to Julius he's a he is a tough matchup for any big wing in terms of like physical strength and bringing some agility to the table and Randle is starting to come bring back that left block go to the middle fade to his right that shot he hit a couple hit OG uh, in the first half and in the second half it hits Siakam with it it's just it's the shot that his form and shooting looks really good when he's moving right now especially in the mid range, uh, which speaks to like, maybe there's something going on when he's uh, has time off the catch like that, whatever hitch or something that's a little funky is occurring in those occasions, because when he's just flowing, that's his form looks really good right now. And he had that shot a couple of times. He gets into the chest, creates a space. It can fade right into that like short mid range area in the middle of the paint. It's been a really good uh, shot for him over his career. And he's starting to, it's starting to round into shape and it's just a nice weapon for him because he draws fouls out of that. Cause he can bring the ball low. They reach in. He can sometimes get an and one out of it and then teams collapse on it. And there was one play where you can hear uh, the Raptors yelling no middle uh, to, I think it was OG to force Randall baseline because they were so worried about him going to the middle and creating havoc once he got there, because once he got middle, it was like, he was just spraying the ball out as we've talked about. So I think uh, I would probably lean to like, this is more of like a positive Randall than an anti OG on the defensive end because Randall, when he is playing this way, is just like, he's a load for any big wing. There's probably not a, not one that can sort of prevent him from getting to where he wants to go when he's uh, playing at that, at this sort of like force and skill and talent. I mean, it's just, it kind of all came together tonight for him. 
No, I think you're probably right. I think it was more really good Randall than, you know, uh, exposing OG necessarily. And I think if Randall plays like that, there's not many guys in the league that are going to, you know, have a much easier time stopping him. So that's probably yeah. what it was. But I, as far as like, if I was scouting OG in this game mm-hmm. <laughs> to bring him over to the Knicks, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be great. <laughs> I'll just say that. No, put a, put a different game on if you want him on your, <laughs> yeah, on the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good player. Obviously we're, we're kind of having a little fun with it, but yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. as best tonight. Appreciate it. Guy Huber then. Thanks a lot. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.